fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And stress is an inevitable factor in your life and in the lives of the people in your organization. A fit, healthy team is an energized, effective team, but it is not enough to just tell your people what to do, you need to show them. If you want your people to have a better quality of life and a more rewarding career, then it is vital that you lead from the front. Your choices, your behaviors are in the spotlight. My name's Jay Unwin, it's time to get fit to lead. Welcome back to Fit to Lead with me, Jay Unwin. Today, my guest is CEO of Mental Health and Business, Claire Russell, and we chat about supporting the mental well-being of your team during a stressful and uncertain time, the seemingly polarised nature of discussion these days, and why more people in positions of authority are beginning to show their vulnerability. Don't forget that on the first Wednesday of every month at 11am UK time, I run a free webinar called Level Up Your People. If you're interested in coming along, then you can head to fitbodyfitmind.online forward slash level up and get yourself registered. Hi, Claire. How are you doing? Hi, good morning. I am awesome. Thank you. Awesome. I am, I am very glad to hear that you're awesome. Not just good, not just fine, not just okay. But awesome. I love that. Um, so, yeah, first off, thanks for thanks for jumping on today. Thanks for joining me and having this uh, having this conversation. Really looking forward to this because, um, as you know, but our listeners won't, um, we, we've had some really good conversations <laughs> recently anyway, which haven't been recorded. And we thought this is this is this has got to be some value for some other people here. Yes, absolutely. It's probably best that some of those other recorded conversations weren't recorded because some of them were a little bit off on weird tangents. They were they? a little bit odd. <laughs> they were a little bit odd. Now, I'm, I cannot promise that this won't go the same way. Uh, it has been known. It has been known. Um, so, Claire, I'm going to start with the kind of the question that I start with everyone um, to really kind of open things up and start getting an idea of. Uh, the way you think around kind of fitness and well-being and stuff like that. And that is, what does fitness mean to you? Well, so if you had asked me that question 10 years ago, Jay, I would have answered it very differently to how I would answer it now. So had you asked me that 10 years ago, I would have said um, that fitness at that point meant something to me around um, having a very lean and muscular body and um, and it was very much about um, I guess the aesthetics and and how I felt kind of physically really so at that point in my life I spent um, a lot of time working out in the gym and doing lots of other exercise and had um, uh, well a pretty phenomenal physique at that point um, but I uh, I would answer it really differently now. So if, you know, that for me now fitness is is much more around um, being uh, resilient and well enough in my um, emotional well-being and my kind of psychological um, state and my physical health to um, being well enough in all of those senses to be able to do the stuff that I want to do in life. 
I think that's a really interesting switch. Uh, a kind of, I say switch, obviously it wasn't something which just suddenly was an epiphany kind of moment necessarily uh, where that change goes from, from you know, your previous views of fitness to your current views on fitness. But I think that it's, um, it's quite a common view, your kind of your older one, your your past view on fitness, it tends to be where most people, at least the people that I speak to, um, kind of still sit around because we are still, we still have it kind of marketed to us in that um, it is a very kind of physical thing and it is about the ideal body. I think that things are moving in a positive direction around the way fitness is talked about, the way it's discussed, the way well-being is discussed. And it's kind of moving away from these kind of aesthetic ideals um, and more towards a kind of holistic uh, approach, for want of a better word. I always feel like holistic makes it sound really kind of wishy-washy and um, kind of the universe and stuff like that. And that's that's not my bag if it is you know someone else's bag that's absolutely cool but um holistic i guess it comes from living in a living in a very hippie town um so holistic conjures up kind of crystals and stuff for me but really it is um it is this kind of it's it's approaching the whole isn't it and not just looking at one aspect of your fitness of your well-being not just looking at what your body fat percentage is or not just looking at what your your you know your ability to lift heavy weights or run a marathon because it's going to be very different for every individual and what you said about resilience and what you said about um, being able to do the things that you want to do again it's such a personal thing isn't it and what fitness is for one person is going to be very very different uh, to what it is for another person oh ab- absolutely and and also i think that changes um, as you move through your life and you know as you as we go through the kind of different phases of our lives and um, you know I guess you will have life events that teach you things you will um, have you know things like having children um, I think definitely changes your your priorities yeah, for um, sure. you know certainly when when I was when I was younger and, and pre having children I mean I've got I've got two teenagers. Uh, certainly, my priorities were different. Were different then. Um, you know, it's it, there's a lot more emphasis for me on, you know, being um, being here for them. <laughs> you know, in the long term, and also in modelling the sort of behaviour that I want them to see. You know, and um, giving them the 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 right kind of, I guess. Um, being the, the the role model that I want to be for them, you know, so that they hopefully um, grow into healthy, rounded adults and, you know, have, um, you know, healthy views really when it comes to, you know, their bodies and, you know, what what health and fitness means for them. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the biggest things. I mean, any parents listening to this will probably agree that it is that biggest responsibility that you ever have uh, is is the responsibility of being a parent and raising kids to be, as you put it, you know, well-rounded, healthy, balanced uh, individuals. And I think that the, I mean, I guess on the other side of that, there's almost this pressure to get to get it right when you are. Um, when you're parenting or when you're in any position of leadership indeed or like you know whether you're parenting or whether you're heading up an organization or whether like whatever it happens to be when you're in a position where people are looking to you your behaviors are what matter more than for example your what you're saying um, 
it's something I was actually writing about recently from the from the perspective of you know a team leader is that you can say to your organization until you're blue in the face you can you can tell them that they need to look after themselves um, in order to you know stay fit stay well have a good quality of life be able to do the things that they want to do you know like you put it um, obviously that benefits the organization as well because a, a kind of fit healthy engaged workforce are obviously more effective they're more uh, loyal they're more uh, the, the, the kind of the company benefits from that as well or the charity or whatever organization it happens to be um but if you're just telling them that but you're not doing it yourself it's like being a parent isn't it you can say don't do this don't do that but if you're doing those things your kids are going to go yeah all right whatever mum <laughs> like, that's you you're you're undermining yourself with your own actions um and i think one of the biggest things that we can do is be willing to fuck up basically you know be willing to to make mistakes and to not try and be I, it's it's, a, it's almost a paradox isn't it it's like you can't be the perfect role model because nobody has a clue what that actually is and so in all <laughs> in in trying to be a perfect role model that's not perfect because you're 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 putting yourself on a pedestal in some ways um and one of the most thing, one of the best things you can do to move yourself towards the perfect role model is to admit that you're not a perfect role model and to go yeah. I make these mistakes I'm still learning I don't know entirely what I'm doing but this is how I go through the motions of making mistakes and learning from them and and adjusting my course and stuff like that um because then the people who are looking to us for leadership whether it's our kids whether it's our organization will go okay it's cool for me to do that as well it's cool for me to explore make mistakes and move forward that way Absolutely. And, you know, that's authentic, isn't it? And, you know, the word authentic, I, I think some people get, you know, a bit annoyed about it. Um, but I guess maybe it's been a little bit overused in, in, in some senses. But that is authenticity, you know, that's being an authentic leader. Um, you know, none of us are perfect. We're all constantly evolving and changing and growing and learning from our experiences. And, and actually... You know, I, being willing to be real and vulnerable um, as a leader, I think, is phenomenally important. And, you know, if I look at the organisations that I am connected with um, or working with or that I kind of look to and, and whose leadership models and, and cultures, you know, I, I, I admire, they are um, leaders and organisations where there is that authenticity vulnerability realness you know where you've got real um human beings that are leading organizations you know modeling healthy behaviors and um you know creating the conditions for openness and honesty and growth and you know all of that good stuff I think the like the words that I mean you say that authenticity and authentic they they are words that get bandied around a lot now and it's it is I think that the more words are used the more meaningless they can become and you sometimes do need to remind yourself of what the literal definition of that is <laughs> you know authenticity is important and it is um, powerful uh, I think that the 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 damage maybe came around that word when people were talking about you know this kind of deliberate authenticity where you've like got to try and be authentic and part of that is a bit like well that feels like a contradiction 
you know it's like if you're trying to be authentic then are you being authentic um Mm. so yeah no i totally agree that that kind of has lost a bit of meaning um but the other word that you kind of used there which i think is is still yeah maybe it still gets used quite a lot but it's it's kind of held its uh held its meaning a little bit more thoroughly which is vulnerability and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and i think this is Again, to, to kind of draw parallels between parenting and leadership in business or leadership in any area of life, um, it is this fear of that vul- vulnerability, which has been you know the case for a long time where people are like, I, I need to be seen as the rock, the, the kind of um, the, the, uh, <laughs> the unwavering, um, knows what to do in all circumstances, has the right answers, um, and uh, in an organisation, you know, the one that's steering the ship. Um, and as a parent, same thing. I want to be that person mm. who I want to be that that parent who the kids can look to and go, they've got it figured out. And I think for decades, if not centuries, if not millennia, um, <laughs> the that that's been that's been the the, the kind of the the general con- consensus and the the general way of doing things um as i say that i start looking i kind of start thinking about i guess my understanding of kind of history and different historical periods and stuff like that and i guess that maybe it, it hasn't always been that way and maybe that's kind of one of our remnants especially in in the uk of that kind of victorian era of stiff upper lip and that kind of like obviously reigned in a lot of that kind of emotional um openness that perhaps we did have before but there's just not as much kind of record of it as as there would be for now uh, for these yeah. days with everything being recorded um but maybe we're we're clawing that back a little bit and the victorian british uh manner is in its kind of twilight now and and more people are going Oh, you know what? I am gonna if I am if I'm struggling, I'm gonna say I'm struggling. Or if I if I don't know what the answer is, I'm gonna say I don't know what that answer is. And um, yeah, it's that that vulnerability is is hugely powerful. And I think that there's a fine line, isn't there? Like there's being vulnerable, and then there's being a complete um, uh, chaotic mess. And it's like, yeah, you, you you're not going to be particularly effective in a position of leadership if you're if you're one hundred percent vulnerable one hundred percent of the time. But I think it's yeah, I think it's appropriateness, isn't it? Look, you know, I think you know, I, I, as a business leader, um, I, gosh, you know, go back five six years ago, I had some fear around being vulnerable. Um, and sharing my, um, you know, the, the, my difficulties, my challenges, because I was concerned that that might be viewed as weakness. You know, I yeah. had, I had worked in a very male-dominated industry for, um, for a long time, and, and I had had to, um, to, to work very hard, to. Um, achieve the success that I achieved in, in in that industry as a female, and so I was very concerned about being seen as vulnerable or weak, um, yeah. and and so for for many many years I wore this kind of cloak, you know, I put a mask on to 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 not be seen as um, as as weak or vulnerable, but um, you know what that resulted in for me 
was a mental breakdown. Yeah. And so going through, you know, a pretty catastrophic breakdown um, really had me look at the way that I was showing up and, you know, the... Um, the patterns that I had fallen into and had me examine, well, why, you know, why, why am I not just being honest and truthful and, you know, speaking a, a, about my challenges and um, asking for what I need. And so that was a huge shift for me. Um, and, you know, I can see that, that that's actually, that's had a hugely positive impact for me in, in so many ways, both in the way, in the way that I was perceived by others. And guess what? It wasn't, you know, as weak at all. Um, and, but, but also, um, you know, in, in the way that, um, that's then kind of played out in, in, in the work that, that, that I do as well. Uh, there's a couple of things that I wanted to kind of touch on based on what you said there. The first thing was mm. um, the first thing was when you said about other people's perception and how, whether they'd seen that kind of um, period as being, you know, weakness and stuff like that, and and they didn't. Mm. And do you think that that's a that's a common issue with people kind of projecting their own um, judgment of themselves? outward so that they kind of assume that everyone else is judging them in the same way um when it in in actual fact from other people's perspective it's a whole whole different kettle of fish like it's it's it it isn't the way we see ourselves is that something that you think is um is is quite a common way of um a, a way of thinking yeah 100 percent. i do um i talk about this a lot actually so you know in 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 the work that that I do, the work that we do in, in our business, um, we talk about uh, mental health stigma a lot, right? So, and when we're talking about stigma, um, I think that there's two kind of, you know, distinct types of stigma um, when it comes to mental health. You know, there is, um, there is the kind of societal s stigma and, you know, attitudes that do unfortunately still prevail. Yeah. Um, but there's also self stigma. And, you know, what we're doing there is projecting, like, exactly as you were just saying, you know, projecting those ideas that we might have, that we, those, um, uh, those kind of that self-talk that we may be running internally, you know, oh, I can't, I can't be, um, you know, I can't ask for help here. I can't admit that I'm struggling here because I'm going to be perceived um, as, as weak. That, that kind of self-talk we're then projecting onto others and making assumptions about the way that we're going to be perceived by others. And actually, I think rarely is that true, you know. I think that, um, you know, the majority of times that that actually when we um you know we we are able to share challenges when we're able to to talk honestly about the experiences that we have in in the main um people don't re you know receive that positively and don't don't regard that as 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 weakness at all one of the things that i try and uh, encourage people to do in any in any circumstance where they might be judging themselves pretty harshly, and that can often be quite a paralysing thing to do, you know, like people are trying to make uh, make changes to their behaviours and make changes to their 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 habits, their lifestyle, and so on and so forth. And it's very difficult to do that from a place of um, very strong criticism of yourself. Mm. Mm. Um, 
you know, feeling ashamed of things isn't a particularly empowering state. And the which seems obvious, you know, when you say it, it seems like, you know, if you feel ashamed, do you feel like kind of like, you know, motivated and, and uh, you know, all of this stuff? And it's like, no, probably not. You probably feel like you just want to hide away and do nothing. And so, you know, whether this is in regards to your own health, whether it's in regards to relationships, whether it's in regards to business, whatever, you don't really, you, you need to come from a place of, um, you know, again, to sound like a hippie, self-love, <laughs> da, 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 da. No, it's true though, right? And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I try and try and get people to do is to become a bit more objective about the, you know, their behaviours or their beliefs or their, uh, you know, um, certain patterns of, of actions they've been taking and things like that um, and go, okay, if this was a friend of yours, how would you how would you approach it and it's such a simple shift in the way that you approach things it's, it's a very tiny um kind of reframing exercise really and most of the time if their friend had come to them and said this is how i'm feeling this is what i'm doing this is a challenge that i'm facing or whatever it happens to be how would you respond to that mm. And usually people's response is very, very different despite the um, <laughs> despite the problem being exactly the same. And it's because yeah. we, we judge ourselves so harshly. You know, there's it's a cliche that we're always our own biggest critic. Um, not always the case, but it is 99% of the time. Um, if someone else came to us with the same problem, we'd be really supportive. So why... Why not be like that to ourselves? And sometimes just that reframing and that realisation of going, oh, actually, I wouldn't do this if it was someone else. If I saw someone else going through this, I would think this, this and this. Oh, wow, maybe that's actually what other people think of me. And I know we shouldn't compare ourselves to others and I know that we shouldn't... um, you know worry about what other people think all the time and stuff like that but we do because we're human that's normal um and so when we are doing that i think that reframing can be really really powerful to understand that actually you know what people probably aren't being that harsh on you people are probably looking at you and going you know fair play for opening up about this um, I admire that and it can be a real inspiration to other people to go, well, if they're opening up about this challenge and if they're being kind of vocal about it and going, you know what, I don't have all the answers and stuff like that in a position mm-hmm. of leadership, most people go, wow, I, like, I've got a lot of time for that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So like a couple of things that just occurred to me as you were just speaking then, you know, firstly, what you were talking about um, around, you know, when if you're talking with somebody that's having those kind of getting into those sort of thinking patterns um you know asking them how they might respond if this was somebody else i i completely agree and also um it's quite helpful i think for all of us to be aware that everybody sometimes falls into unhelpful thinking patterns oh, or you yeah. might call them cognitive distortions um, so things like, um, you know, overgeneralizing, personalizing things, um, applying a negative filter to things. There's a whole, you know, list of different cognitive distortions or unhelpful thinking patterns that people get into. And just just knowing that, I think, is super helpful. And, you know, for me in my own journey with my 
um, kind of mental health and well-being, understanding that about myself has been really helpful because when it happens, I'm able to just go, oh, hang on a minute, that thing's happening there. Yeah. Um, you know, and is it really true? Is is that unhelpful thinking pattern that I've fallen into there? Is is it actually really true or not? Um, and just doing that actually can help you to recognise when something like that's happening, challenge it, um, and maybe, you know, can help you just kind of see it a little bit differently. Yeah, that knowledge is is enough in a lot of ways just to um, make that shift, isn't it? Like mm. understanding the um, that, that kind of just that piece of information, having that in the back of your mind does change the way that we act and it does mm. change the way that we think. So that is, it is um, obviously taking action on the knowledge is vital, but even mm. having the knowledge just makes you more likely to take action on that. Um, mm. Obviously we kind of, you know, you've talked about um, business and you've kind of alluded to some of the stuff that you do, but obviously um, some of the people listening, you know, that I've, I've, I will have introduced you at the beginning of this uh, of this episode and kind of said about your business and stuff but in a in a bit more detail because obviously your your company is called mental health in business um what's what is it that you what's the mission that you're on (laughs) um so the mission that i am on personally jay is you know and it and it and it's a mission that has been very much um, born out of my own personal experiences of mental illness and losing somebody that I loved to suicide. So, you know, my personal mission is to, um, is quite a big one. And, and, you know, that's to reduce the number of people that die by suicide. Um, having been through the experiences that I have and having, um, amassed a great deal of lived experience and you know done lots of training and and also drawing on my kind of previous commercial and corporate experience um you know what i decided a few years ago was a way that i could um bring all of that stuff together um to good to good purpose was was to was to set to set up the business that i now run mental health in business so through that business we work with Um, businesses, organisations, and we help them to create mentally safe and healthy places to work. Um, You know, I, I worked for many, many years in an environment that was neither safe or healthy um, from a, from an emotional and psychological perspective. Um, and I can see how damaging that was for me and how damaging it it was for, you know, lots and lots and lots of people that I worked with over the years. And so, um, you know, that, that really is our mission to, to help, to help individuals by working at an organizational level, by working with businesses and organizations of all sorts, um, to help them to do this stuff better when it comes to mental health in the workplace it's um it's definitely a, a kind of a bold mission to be on and i think it's one that's getting more and more traction as time goes on i mean like the where we are now um as a society when it comes to kind of mental health mental well-being um mental fitness as i call it and that's you know where we are now is is so different to where we were you know 15 20 25 years ago and um and and that's 
a, a massive, massive deal and we should be really kind of proud of those improvements. But I, I think that it, it does still seem to be quite a long way behind the physical, like not necessarily the physical fitness and well-being side of things that's promoted by companies because, again, that's almost like still in that tick box uh, you know once a year we'll do a half an hour yoga mm. session kind of thing uh, and then that box is ticked until next year's well-being week um, so that's still a little bit but the but the physical safety I, I mean that's a word that you used just then about like a safe environment mentally and emotionally um, now there are so there's so much legislation um, governing the physical safety of members of a team, um, which has to be adhered to by any organisation. And yet there is a lot less in uh, in the way of kind of legislation around mentally safe spaces. Well, is there though? Is well, there? tell or me, Claire. <laughs> is there just a lack of understanding and awareness? Okay. And I think it's the latter. So, you know, yes, there is a great deal of legislation um, to protect the um, health and safety of people that work within um, any environment, within any workplace, within any organisation. And all of that legislation extends to the mental, the psychological ah, health and safety interesting. of people. All of it. Okay. Um, but but that is something that um, very few organisations really understand. Um, and, you know, there are some businesses that are, you know, truly, truly leading the way when it comes to doing this stuff well. Um, but they are very few and far between. Okay. That is actually, that's quite interesting that the, the legislation, like you said, it's not so much that it's not there, it's that it's not understood. Yeah. And I wonder whether some of that is because, again, if we look at things kind of on, on a bigger perspective, not just in the kind of corporate, uh, in, in terms of um, businesses and organisations and stuff like that, but um, as a whole, it's very easy or it's, it's a lot easier to understand a broken leg than it is to understand, um, you know, a bout of severe depression. You know, it's it, I think most people um, can see, right, what, what do we need to implement in order to prevent people from breaking their legs? Um, and what do we need to do when someone, if and when someone does break their legs? And if you did the same thing around a kind of uh, emotional or mental injury, if you like, say, what can we do to prevent someone um, becoming depressed? And what do we do if someone does become depressed? And, and I mean that in terms of, uh, from a medical perspective, because I do think that there's, you know, a lot of, this is another another conversation, which I know that we've touched on in a, in a chat that we had before. Um, feeling a little bit depressed is not necessarily depression. It is just feeling low and that's a normal human emotion we don't need to pathologize every yeah. single uh negative in inverted commas emotion um but but if someone is genuinely yeah. struggling with depression as a medical um illness how can we support them best so i, I think that because with a broken leg it's a lot more similar for if you took a group of 50 people who all had broken legs the, pre the possible prevention of that and the treatment of that is going to be relatively similar for each person. Whereas with something like depression or anxiety, 
is a bit more challenging because there's 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 a lot more subtlety and nuance in terms of mm-hmm. the care for that individual because the thing which isn't well the organ which is which is um which is struggling is the organ which produces that person's personality yeah and and so there needs to be a bit more i guess uh understanding within that um i feel like i'm waffling a bit which isn't the well, first time <laughs> <laughs> no but but I, but i'm but i'm completely with you on it i think you know i think there's a few things here look um the way that we work has changed um you know over you know many many years so um you know businesses and organizations those those laws and legislations and you know expectations and requirements upon businesses in terms of creating health and um, healthy and safe workplaces um when those those kind of legislations and laws and rules and things were all created um there were many many more people doing physical jobs or dangerous jobs True, or yeah. the type of work or role or jobs where they might incur a physical injury an injury to their physical self at work and so that's why those things were you know were created and put in place to protect those people from it from injuries that were not their fault and that could be prevented yep um and you know that that's been very effective um very very effective at creating um you know safer places to work and what we've seen happen you know in recent years is a huge decline in um workplace injuries a huge decline in um uh things like injury claims arising out of physical injuries at work but while that's been happening those have been declining what we've started to see is a huge increase in um people being injured emotionally at work so um you know, th- developing mental illness or um, all sorts of different things, but, but basically um, mental, emotional injuries arising out of um, things that have happened within the workplace. So, um, you know, we're, there's a shift. There's a shift, you know, we're in this very interesting time right now where, um, you know, there's a demand from people. There's a greater level of awareness Um, on an individual level, on a societal level, there's a greater level of awareness around mental health and well-being. We're all more aware. We all have more understanding than we used to. We have greater expectations in terms of, you know, how we expect to be treated and looked after. Um, And also there is an awareness uh, at an organisational level that, oh, hang on a minute, Um, we're going to need to start to take this really seriously now. So we're going to need to not just do the nice to do stuff like, you know, the monthly yoga classes, or maybe we're, you know, we're doing a monthly meditation thing, or we're doing a nice awareness day on World Mental Health Awareness Day. Um, But actually, we need to start taking this seriously in terms of what we do every day within this organisation to make sure that this is a safe unhealthy place for people to be because otherwise a we're breaking the law <laughs> yeah, yeah and b we're going to have some sick people um yeah. and we're going to be responsible for that yeah it's um 
I mean, something that I've kind of started saying a lot more recently in terms from an individual perspective when I'm talking about fitness and well-being is because so many people still see it as a bolt-on kind of um, almost a luxury where you go, I've got a really busy life. I've got, you know, I've got my family to deal with. I've got my my business to deal with, my company, my career, whatever it happens to be. Um, I've got my home to and all the kind of associated things which go along with 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 keeping a home running, and um, and fitness is just something I haven't got time for. Well being is just something I haven't got time for, and um, it's because of this kind of fundamental belief that it is an add-on. It's something which you which you have to find time for. It's something which is just yet another. Uh, another thing to deal with and for a lot of people this is a huge barrier psychologically because it feels overwhelming right so many people are already overwhelmed this is one of the biggest problems when it comes to well-being either physically or mentally one of the worst things for your health is stress and so many people are stressed and overwhelmed um, because of just the nature of work and the world society Mm -hmm. and all the rest of it people are constantly bombarded with stuff to feel stressed and worried about not i mean that's not even taking into consideration the past kind of 20 months of um pandemic and all the rest of it so Mm. even without that there's a huge amount of stress and overwhelm and so saying oh and you've also got to do this it's like are you kidding me i've already got enough on my plate I've got yeah. all of these things spinning, which I need to keep going. Don't give me another thing. Don't give me another ball to juggle. And something which I've tried to kind of um, get people to, again, a reframing of, of things is to see fitness and well-being as a thread rather than a bolt. <laughs> you know, you're not bolting it on to the end to an already overwhelmed, you know, it's not like, um, you know, you've got a roof rack piled high with all the stuff you've already got to do and then you're putting fitness on the top of that again with a few bungee cords. Fitness is a, a thread which you can weave through every aspect of your life. Mm. You can weave it through your work, your family, your relationships, your hobbies. You can, you can create... Um, a whole kind of focus on it but within what you've already got not an in addition to and from an organizational perspective the same thing is absolutely true and you talked about you know it's not enough to have the nice things to do which are the equivalent of the bolt-on kind Mm -hmm. of things right Mm -hmm. but it's a thread which you need to weave through and like you said it has to be done on a daily basis and so if you weave well-being and fitness and resilience through every facet of your uh, of your organization then it doesn't require um more time more effort more money what it does is it includes that stuff within the things you're already doing and it has a much more profound effect because it is every single day and it's like i mean like like someone like anybody can understand who's listening to this that doing a workout once a month sure it's better than nothing but it's not a great deal whereas walking a little bit more every day yeah is going to have a much more profound effect over the next six months 12 months you know three years whatever and so if you look at that from an organizational perspective surely the same thing is true and you go yeah doing this kind of monthly thing or doing this yearly thing and doing it when we have to or when it's kind of most expected is better than nothing you know regardless of the intent behind it whether it is just a tick box whether it is just you know we have to do it because it's the law 
even if that's the case, it's still beneficial. However, if you go one step further and you go, look, how can we just how can we tweak a few things about how we operate on a daily basis that will allow our people to to stay well, to stay fit, to increase their resilience, to feel more valued, because I think so much of it comes down to that as well. And just to feel valued as a human being as well, which is obviously, you know, something which um, I, you know, posted about just this morning, I think, um, about yeah. that feeling feeling valued uh, uh, in, in the place that you work. That does so much for your self-esteem and, and that's inherently linked to your you know, your well-being and stuff like that. Because like we mentioned earlier on in this chat, if you feel shit about yourself, you aren't going to do things, you aren't going to make good decisions. And so yeah. feeling good about yourself, feeling valued and feeling like, hey, actually, I'm not just a cog in a machine here, but I'm actually, these people care about me. These The management care about me. The leaders care about me as me. And they want me to be well and they want me to be safe and they want me to thrive. Then you're going to make better decisions. Yeah. And not only is it a benefit for that individual and their quality of life, which I believe is the most important thing. I was like, I, you know, yes, of course, there's going to be benefits to the business as well. You know, the business, like someone who is feeling valued and feeling like they, they're, they're worth something, they're going to do better work. They're going to be um, working harder. They're going to be more loyal. They're going to be more... Um, uh, kind of the <laughs> more involved in the mission which of yeah. course is great for the organization but that to me should be a secondary i know that companies are set up and they need to make a profit and i get that that's that then that, that needs to be taken into consideration however i think that our economy is going through a shift which maybe we won't see in its entirety for for a while yet but looking back on it we're going to go okay do you know what people aren't being seen as a commodity for companies just to consume anymore they are you know human beings and individuals and communities are actually the priority and the companies and organizations are there to serve those uh, communities and to serve those individuals not the other way around yeah, I think, do you know, I think that shift is starting to happen. Um, I'm certainly seeing it. We are certainly seeing it um, with some of the organisations that we are working with. And, you know, is it coming from the place you would ideally like it to come from? Um, is it coming from, um, in all cases, um, you know, concern about the well-being of those people or is it coming from um, uh, an understanding that actually there's a really good financial business case yeah. for businesses to be doing all of this stuff um, I, I'm not quite sure on that and, and, and perhaps it's a little bit of both but but I think the end result um, is is still the same so so I think that's okay um, you know Everything that we've just been talking about, you know, I love what you were saying about, you know, the, it, there being these threads, um, you know, everything that we're talking about needs to become a part of the very fabric of every organisation um, and also part of the fabric of our lives as individuals. Um, so like, you know, as you were saying, not not just 
um, stuff that we do if we can find time for it, but foundational, foundational to our very being, because and 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 the same within an organisation, you know, foundational to everything that 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 business does, because that's how we create, um, you know, really sustainable environments um, where you know people can be healthy and happy and can actually thrive because what I've seen way too much of over the last 10 years or so within businesses and organizations is so 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 many people who are just surviving day in day out they are just surviving they're getting up every day and dragging themselves through the day the week um and and not really being given the opportunity to thrive in their work lives, in their careers, and and also then in their lives outside of what they do um, in in their work and career. And I think that I'm st- I, I I'm really hopeful, Jay. I'm really optimistic and hopeful that actually I'm seeing some shift i'm seeing some positive change at an organizational level and within communities and you know within kind of society as a as a whole i think you yeah i think you're absolutely right i think it is i think it is definitely visible that that's happening already um Mm. because i think it's being demanded and uh, you know you mentioned earlier on about people's expectations of how well they're looked after i saw a really interesting article recently about um young um kind of job seekers at the moment you know people who are in their kind of early 20s for example have very high expectations of what their workplace will provide in terms of a well-being provision and going you know this is this is important to me this is more important to me than than a lot of other areas which maybe were the the obvious ones that people were looking at before you know things like uh, what's the salary like is there you know a good pension is there all of this kind of stuff mm. and now these these uh, people in their early 20s are going well, what's the well-being provision? How are you going to look after me as 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 a as a person? How are you going to help me um, stay fit, stay well, um, and and you know, like you said, thrive rather than just survive and have to drag myself into work every day um, just because I have to be here, kind of thing, and I need the paycheck to pay my rent, and mm. that that expectation is. Um, is a big shift, and I think that this kind of groundswell of 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 uh, I guess what's the word holding companies accountable to those uh, to that kind of ideology um, is is really quite interesting. I think that in terms of where it's going, that's kind of where I mean we're not going to see until maybe a couple of decades time where we look back and go, this was the period where that changed. Yeah. Um, and and that period will be from you know maybe the last five to ten years onwards, but it's still just getting that traction at the moment and overcoming the inertia of the old way of doing things. That's the kind yeah. of that's the kind of position we're in now, because a lot of the people in leadership positions have been in those positions for quite a while, and while a lot of those um, leaders are willing to adapt and change which is you know why they've ended up in leadership positions because they are adaptable and they are kind of um, aware of what's going on around them that isn't everyone and there are still some some people in positions of leadership who are in that kind of 
well, this is what we've always done. And, well, this is just a kind of a phase. People are just weak now because, you know, and they need all this stuff that people didn't need in the past and it's ridiculous and they need to grow up. And there's, a very, there's you know, they, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is an attitude I've come across and it's just like, well, I never had that and I turned out all right. And I'm thinking, did you though? Because you sound like a dick to me. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's this, it, I think that there is going to be, a, there, there is still some pushback to it. Um, But I think you're right that no matter what the, (laughs) I guess, like you said, the the kind of the catalyst behind it, if it's it's a financial return on investment catalyst, we're going, hey, you know what? If we look after our people, they're going to take less sick days. Brilliant. If we look after our people, there's going to be less churn. And of course, you need some churn because you need to you need to have kind of, you know, fresh ideas coming in and stuff like that. You don't want no churn. But but churn is too high for a lot of places. And you're like, you're having people stay for a couple of years. If that, then they disappear. And then you're going to have to go through the recruitment process and the training process again, which costs you money. If you have loyalty, if you have well-being and people aren't burning out, people aren't leaving because they hate you and your company, then um, that's going to save you money. Brilliant. If that's the catalyst, like you said, the outcome is still the same. And it's almost like, well, the ends justify the means, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's yeah. like... <laughs> I, absolutely. And I think, it, you know, all of this stuff is going to come together over, as you say, you know, the next couple of decades. You know, these, the young people that are our kind of, you know, the new workforce that's coming through now, those youngsters that are, you know, moving into the world of work now, they're our future leaders. And that younger generation now, yeah, totally, they've got different expectations. And, you know, they are going to be our future leaders that are going to be, Um, I think leading organisations that will have very, very different blueprints, very, very different, um, you know, philosophies when it comes to to work, to workplace well-being. And I I think that that, um, you know, that that journey is well underway now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's exciting to see. And I think that Mm. there's, you can see it in the way, in terms of like the, the, I guess, growing focus on things like um, environmental awareness and stuff like that as well. It all kind of ties together because, again, these generations coming through who've got more of a focus on um, anything other than economic growth at all costs, um, I think that that's... kind of um drives a lot of this stuff is kind of the awareness of the other things it's like yes economic growth but what about this and what about this and what Mm. about this and um the you see there's more kind of cic's and social enterprises where they're putting money back into their local uh local communities and things like that or wider communities as well of course um things like um b corps uh things like uh you know there's just there's more awareness. People are spending their money. It's not just the, where people want to work, but it's where people want to spend their money and going, yeah. well, you know what? I'd rather spend a little bit extra and buy from a company that look after their workers. Um, you know, people have got had, had this knee jerk. I mean, Amazon have got like a... Um, a bit of a, a monopoly when it comes to kind of, you know, buying stuff online. They've got a phenomenal mm-hmm. setup and, you know, f- fair play to them for building a tremendous company. But um, a tremendous in one way doesn't necessarily mean tremendous in all ways. It's a huge company. Yeah. It's very financially successful, but they've got a terrible track record for looking after their staff. Absolutely. And so a lot of people go, 
oh, I don't really want to buy stuff off Amazon because of that reason. And although people aren't leaving in droves because of the convenience of it, mm-hmm. there is that cognitive dissonance where people go, oh, I know I'm ordering something off Amazon. I do it. I still order stuff off Amazon. And every time I do... I get annoyed with myself, not because like, and the thing is, yes, of course, they they allow small businesses to sell through them and stuff like that, which is great. And it's a bit more, you know, it feels a bit better than using something like eBay, which always felt a bit shaky when you were buying off like random people off the internet. But Amazon do it in a bit more of a kind of structured way. And so they're allowing these small businesses to reach a bigger audience. And I'm all for that. But Mm. there's this thing where you just go, right, they're, they're, they're shitty on the tax front and they're really shitty on their kind of kind of workplace well-being front Mm -hmm. and more and more people are talking about that and more and more people are going you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna vote with my money and say i'm gonna spend my money at places which are um sustainable from an environmental perspective sustainable from a from an employment perspective and a human well-being perspective um because that because that's important to me and i think that the more that changes uh, it, the the kind of that's that's the double because you've got the you've got the pressure from employees or prospective employees and you know job seekers but you've also got the pressure from people who are spending their money you've got your pressure from there from from that angle as well and I think with that those two things even the most stuck in the past organisations get will get dragged kicking and screaming forwards into the future in terms of in terms of these things because if they don't they will disappear because nobody's yeah. going to buy their stuff and nobody's going to want to work for them yeah 100% you know and then you know you'll have um you'll have those organisations that uh you know they are kind of still ticking boxes you yeah. know um and and then you'll have you know those organizations that are really um affecting meaningful change and where they are creating um real lived cultures rather than aspirational cultures you know there've been there've been some some circumstances where i've walked into organizations who have you know these amazing um kind of um phrases and um slogans and things that they that they use within their business and one one business i will always remember walking into um and they had this kind of huge um social area within the business where you know people could just meet up and um they had this massive slogan um on on the wall and it was it was a well-being a well-being kind of focused slogan something about being um we are um, all uniquely individual, but stronger together, or or, or some, something like that. Yeah. Um, with this kind of real emphasis on you know everybody being treated as an individual, um, and um, you know what was really clear to see was that that actually wasn't the lived culture yeah. in the organisation. You know, um, and you know I think there is this we are in this phenomenal time of change and I think there's lots of positive stuff happening and we're still going to have you know that um that huge gap between the organizations that are um you know really authentically investing in meaningful change and um and then those organizations that are putting big you know slogans up on the wall 
Um, so, it, yeah, interesting. It will be interesting um, as we see how that kind of pans out into the future. Do you think that the um, the kind of box ticking um, stage is almost a stepping stone to a me- more meaningful thing? Do you think that most companies kind of go through that phase rather than jumping from doing nothing to going, actually, we're going to do this properly? Do you think they kind of dip their toe in the water by... Um, by by doing a few things which are maybe a bit more uh, yeah box ticky than than effective um, as a kind of yeah as a stepping stone as part yeah. of that journey yeah 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 for sure um, for sure and you know over the last couple of years I've worked with we've worked with organisations that are on that journey and have done some of that stuff and with the benefit of hindsight of being able to look back and go oh actually yeah that that was a bit of a box ticking exercise you know we went into it with the right intentions but actually um we can see looking back that that was a bit of a box ticking exercise and and you know and then they've learned from that and then you know then been able to um you know invest in in things that actually are more meaningful yeah. and um you know that 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 um you know move beyond just doing um just talking about stuff you know and putting in place really um tangible um things that you know are gonna are gonna make a difference to the people on the ground I think it's vital to kind of understand one of the things you said there about, you know, we did this and then with the benefit of hindsight, you know, it wasn't as effective in the way that we wanted it to be, even though it was done with the best intentions and so on and so forth. And this comes back to something we said early on, which was um, about kind of being willing to make mistakes and being authentic <laughs> and being vulnerable and yeah. stuff like that, which is it's if you're if you are a company, if you're listening to this and you're a leader in a company and you're going like I, I want to start doing this stuff but I'm not entirely sure where to start it's like yes you can get guidance out there you know there's there's companies like mental health in business if you if you kind of want to get training on things like that and there's me who does the fitness side of things and there's a lot of information out there now but the most important thing is just to do something because taking a step of some kind is is better than uh better than staying where you are paralyzed with i don't want to do it wrong i don't want to offend anyone i don't want to cause more problems than i'm solving it almost doesn't matter someone is gonna like you're never gonna get it 100 right anyway you're always going to offend someone you're always going to find um uh, someone who isn't happy with the way you've done something and that's cool like that is just the way the world is um we need to get better at you know dealing with that and not it not it not being so polarizing and going well if someone disagrees that's the end of everything um so find something that you could do find a step that you can take do that thing if it doesn't go well then you've had an amazing learning experience and you go right brilliant i've learned something which doesn't work but what can i take from that what can we as an organization do with that information that we've got from this 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 trial and error process and that's how you get better at anything whether it's individually or as a collective the only not the only but the best way of progressing is to mess things up and then try again. Yeah, and you know, here's a revolutionary idea. Ask people, you know, ask people within your organization what they need, what would be helpful for them. um, And then try some of that, you know. Who'd have thought you know, that these yeah. these, <laughs> these people have ideas of what might work? 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that, like, because that, that's kind of that full circle to coming back to kind of vulnerability and and authenticity and stuff like that. I think that was a, that was a nice loop. That wasn't even planned. I, I love the way these <laughs> things work out in the end. Um, I did tell you it was it was more of a kind of. Uh, a vague conversation with some 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 points to kind of keep us on track as we went along um but i find these things more more interesting when we do that though like i find these conversations more interesting when we do have less structure um yeah. but i think that i think that this would be a good point to kind of close off and finish with asking um a couple of things one is if someone is listening to this and they want to make some changes in their own lifestyle um, and changes in their own habits, changes in their own actions and improve their well-being, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally uh, or whatever, what would be one kind of piece of advice, either a starting point or something to remember or a little maxim that will kind of to, to get stuck in your head or a slogan to stick on your wall? Um, and uh, then the same question as well for if someone is looking to uh, help their organization change direction and help their kind of help support their their people that they're leading um to make positive changes within their own lifestyle what would you what would kind of be your advice for for each of those two kind of circumstances i'm going to start with the the question about leaders okay go start for it. with that one so You know, as a, as a leader, if you want to create a culture in which every person feels heard and listened to and supported and safe to be able to ask for help when they need it, um, then a great way to start, a great starting point is... Um, is for you as an individual, as a leader within your organisation, to um, to to create an environment where those conversations can happen. So you know, talk about your own experiences. You know, share your. Um, you know, all too often, um, you know, leaders are more focused on you know, sharing successes and, you know, talking about the things that have, have gone well. Um, but I've heard, you know, some incredibly, incredibly aspirational, powerful leaders um, recently talking about their struggles, talking about their challenges, the things that have not gone well for them, their own personal journeys. Um, and their own personal struggles in some cases. And actually leaders that are willing to do that, um, you know, they, they, they go a long way to creating those conditions that they're aspiring to, to creating within their organizations because the people that work for them can then look to them and think, crikey, you know, if you can, um, you know, have that whatever um, struggle it is that they've shared, if you can go through something like that, if you can have had that, um, then actually it kind of makes it okay um, for me and it makes it okay for me to um, open up and to talk about what I'm experiencing or to ask for help when yeah. I need it. Absolutely. It's that thing of leading from the front. And uh, again, like we were talking about parenting and leadership and stuff like that, it's about modelling that behaviour and not not just not just paying lip service to it, but actually embodying the values that you're 
uh, talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then on a personal level, gosh, there's there's so many things. I'm just trying to think how I can, um, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think about my own journey really, and you know what's been, um, what's been the 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 biggest thing for me. And you know, I go back to what I said right at the beginning, really. You know, the the catalyst for change in my own life, and for me being able to really get a grip on my um well my overall health and well-being really um was uh being able to let go of that idea that i couldn't be um that i had to be seen in a certain way you know whether you're a leader or you're not you know well all of us are leaders in some ways in our lives aren't we yeah um but you know on a personal level kind of letting go of that belief that i had to be seen as strong um and that you know if i um admitted that actually I, there were lots of things that i was struggling with that i was struggling with depression and anxiety if i admitted that then maybe i would be perceived as weak maybe um people wouldn't like me maybe people wouldn't um you know trust me um to to do what i needed to do in a business sense maybe i would be overlooked in my career you know all of those things letting go of that was um was transformational for me you know it was the beginning of um well a long journey that's still ongoing of course um but you know it, it really was the beginning of me um of me becoming well and healthy and um you know i that's something that um you know i'd really it's a, it's a it's a it's a big ask isn't it you know yeah. just let go of all that stuff but um you know all i can say is that for me that that was absolutely the catalyst for um you know so much change and um uh yeah a movement towards being a, you know much happier and healthier yeah i think it's that thing isn't it it's a, it's a it's a fantastic piece of advice and yes it isn't and easy and it's <laughs> it's certainly not <laughs> as simple as it sounds no. but if you can allow yourself the time uh rather than going right it's not let go of it boom done it's start letting go of it isn't it it's like start yeah. moving in that direction where you do um show yourself a bit of <laughs> well compassion you know like again something that we were we were talking about just before we started recording mm. allowing yourself to go you know what this this give yourself a bit of that freedom that you yeah. would afford other people um yeah. in order to kind of explore and to 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 feel and and to grow and develop um rather yeah, than and, having and, such a rigid set of boundaries and and know that it's okay to feel you know that all of those different emotions and you know you mentioned you touched on it earlier um, you know, we don't have to pathologize everything. We don't have to make everything into, um, you know, we don't have to medicalize everything. You know, it's normal for all of us as human beings. It's normal that we should experience the full range of human emotion. Yeah. And actually, um, it's amazing that we get to, you know, experience all of those emotions. Um, and give yourself permission to feel all of those yeah. you know i see too much stuff and this this is a bugbear of mine i see too much stuff around 
um, you know, trying to control emotions and trying to, um, you know, that we should be able to just switch off emotions and not feel um, the, in inverted commas, negative emotions. Yeah. And I call bullshit on that. You Absolutely. Know? We are human beings and part of the joy of being a human being is that we get to experience the full range of human emotion. Um, and giving yourself permission to feel some of those um, emotions, to feel sad sometimes, to feel a bit low sometimes, you know, all of those are valid and perfectly okay. The big thing for me on that front is that like having struggled with kind of moderate to severe depression in the past, mm. um, being able to separate feeling low, feeling sad, mm. and be, but being aware enough of going, okay, when is this becoming problematic from like, you know, when could this be depression um, kind of rearing its head again? And for yeah. me, and again, this is, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a professional, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a mental health professional or anything like that. Um, this is just from my experience. And that is understanding why you're feeling a certain way um, and being aware of how long you're feeling like it for. And those to me are the big, kind of the big differences. So if I feel sad about something, then that is an emotional response that's not mental illness something has happened which makes me feel angry sad upset frustrated anxious worried and i'm feeling about something that's that's normal that's like you you that's how emotions work um now if i if i feel sad about nothing and I can't put my finger on why I'm feeling sad. Again, sometimes that is just a normal human emotion. Yeah. The 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 double for me is if it's not about anything in particular and it doesn't go away, <laughs> that's the time when I know for me that's a red flag. Because I'm like, hey, I've been feeling like this for a week yeah. and nothing has happened to cause this. Yeah. Then I know that between those two things, there's no real obvious cause and it's going on for a little bit too long. Then I yeah. know that, that I need to address that in, in some other way. But if I just feel like it for a, for a day or two with no explanation, or if I feel like it because of something that's happened, whether it's the, you know, it could be a grieving situation. It could be um, I've had an argument with someone, like stuff like that. Then I kind of like, well, okay, this is understandable. I'm I'm allowed to feel pissed off because <laughs> something has happened which which makes me feel pissed off, and I know that it will pass. I, I know that yeah. in a couple of days I will feel okay again. And just one thing I would add to that as well. You know, I think I completely agree with with what you just said there. And you know, if if those feelings are getting in the way of the things that you would normally. Um, do or you know you are preventing you from enjoying the things that you would normally enjoy then you know that's that's probably another another red flag for most of us yeah yeah absolutely i think again like this is it's such a huge topic and i'm sure we could talk about this for for a long long time and cover all <laughs> kinds of uh, cover all kinds of interesting angles on this um but alas i we shall have to close off um 
Claire, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on for a conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that there is so much value in here and that the people who've been listening have, have got some great stuff from this, whether they are the leader in an organisation, the leader on a, in a different way, or whether they're just looking to make some changes on an individual level. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Fit to Lead with me, Jay Unwin. If you're not already connected with me on LinkedIn, come and find me using the link in the podcast description and say hello. If you want me to help you improve the fitness and well-being of your team and of yourself, let's set up a call. Until next time, stay fit, stay well, and keep leading from the front.